Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. We hope you'll be encouraged to have an I'm Third approach as you navigate marriage, family, leadership, and spiritual growth. If you're new to our conversation, welcome. It's so great to have you. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. My name is Shay Robbins, and I'm here with my teammate, co-host, and president of Canacuck Camps, Joe White. <laughs> Shay, I love you, man. <laughs> Every time you say that, it just cracks me up. It's I good. nailed that intro. It's good to be with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach, we're here today. We're going to talk about faith and specifically what I've titled a 21st century discipline. Now, what does that mean? Um, we're going to talk a little bit about spiritual disciplines, and I'll admit this right off the bat, that they've been around for a long time. But uh, we are living in a new world that has changed. Um, I believe it was 2007 when the iPhone came out. And in the last 13 years, our world has changed significantly. And recently, uh, I watched a documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. Everybody that has a family has got to watch Social Dilemma with your kids. You got to watch it. Shay. Yeah, you that, you that do. Changes your viewpoint. Yeah, and so if you haven't seen it, we're going to totally spoil it for you. But uh, you know, the concept is they basically brought in it's documentary with a bunch of executives from tech, big tech companies, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Google, and most of them have moved on from those roles. Many of them in founding roles, and it's a very honest conversation from the people who know big tech the best, the creators of it, about the result of, of the kind of this technology, social media craze that's become ingrained in our life. And there's a lot of things that are concerning about it. Um, but, but one of the things that weighs probably the heaviest on me is it happens to be a personal conviction. I mean, I, I'll just be vulnerable in that um, I am... I am tempted every time there is a quiet moment in my life. So when I'm standing in line, uh, when I'm sitting at a stoplight, when, um, you know, we put the kids down to bed, I am, there is, I can feel a pull to pick up my phone. And there's a couple, there's a number of different things that I like to go through. I kind of have a progression that I go through. I check ESPN.com and then, you know, I go to YouTube and I see what kind of, you know, deer hunting videos. And I've been looking into goat barns, which I'm way into right now. And there's this progression <laughs> I go to and I can find myself in a goat barn hole for an hour, you know, and I look up and I'm like, man, I know a lot about goat barns, but where did the time go? And, and, you know, we laugh about it. But the reality is, is that we all know this, like we all know that feeling, the pull, you know, for me, red dots on my phone, I'm a red dot killer. And when there's a red dot on my phone, it's like, and I see it, it does not matter what's going on. There is this innate desire in me. I need to eliminate that red dot. It's a to do. And I want to check it off my list. And here's the problem with that. The problem is that in these little quiet spaces of life, God for centuries has been filling those little spaces with words of comfort, with a place to run, with honest conversations, with a place to dump off anxieties, bringing scripture to our remembrance that we need in the moment, 
those quiet spaces in life, they are those are intimate places where our relationship with the Lord is realized. And and for me, that conviction is very heavy right now. And so that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about quiet space, this 21st century discipline to reclaim it um, so that we can grow with the Lord. And we brought in just two precious friends uh, to talk about this topic, and they happen to be passionate about it. And Joe, I'll hand it off to you to, to give the introduction. Yeah, Jake, I'm th- I mean, I, Shay, I'm thankful that, uh, that, that you brought in two what, what you would call millennials, uh, next generation leaders, which is a big part of our uh, podcast, but also uh, a, a, a couple, uh, a, a young man and a young woman who are experiencing uh, the joys of the early stages of marriage. Uh, but you also brought in two dynamic leaders mm-hmm. uh, who, who are, are good at leading any age, whether they're young children or whether they're staff or whether they're uh, mommies and daddies who are part of their greater uh, Kanika family. So, so Jake, tell me, uh, Shay, imagine as I introduced Jake, uh, one of the aspiring young leaders of Kanakuk, uh, and, and really a bright spot in the Kanakuk future. People ask, like, what's the transition? And I look, I look at men like Shay Robbins, and I look at men like Jake and Colin Sparks and others, and I go, folks, <laughs> This this place is set up for <laughs> the next hundred years with people like you and and uh, Jake. But imagine taking a group of of young men and women, counselor types, college leaders, and putting together a team and going to Lebanon and doing an effective ministry, camping ministry in Lebanon. <laughs> Jake, after thirteen weeks of after, summer camp after here in the Ozarks, getting by worn the way. out, and and. And Jake Talbert was the man that arose to the call. Uh, the first time he took a team to Lebanon, he was in his young to mid-20s. And they went over and had a fabulous experience uh, in, inspiring, uh, you know, Lebanese and, and children and Syrian children on the run. Uh, that's Jake Talbert. Um, he, he brings a country charm from Cleburne, Texas, and just just his accent is just as charming as he is. He, he, he is an inspirational young leader. And by the grace of God, as we say around Kanakuk, the boy out kicked his coverage when he ran into uh, Paige. Paige comes from California slash Colorado slash Tulsa slash Baylor University. And she is one of our uh, aspiring young directors of our K-Country camp as well. Um, Jake, y- y- you're playing above the rim, buddy. Uh, Paige has got it all. She loves ministry. She loves her staff. She inspires her staff. Um, she loves the small children. People love her. They look up to her. We do discipleship at camp. She is our leader in inspiring young women to become disciple makers. Um, I brought her in to, to teach our, our staff at K2 how to inspire the staff to become disciple makers. She does better than anyone at that uh, in our company. Uh, you met her at the health center at K-Country. Is that true with pigtails hanging down from her? That's right. That's right. Tell us about how you, you snagged this incredible woman. Yeah, I remember. I was in my first year. Uh, I'm so sorry. I was in my third year at camp, and Paige was in her first year at camp. And 
was hanging out at the health center as most <laughs> staff members do late at night. And Paige was running up with her group of cabin one or barn one girls. So all six, seven years old, the youngest kids at camp and was running up just with a huge smile on her face. And I didn't know her well at that point. That was the first time I think that I had, uh, that I had been able to see Paige and have any interaction with Paige. But uh, at that moment I, moment, I knew that she was something special and uh, got really excited to continue a friendship from there with her. Describe the girl you married. Man, the girl I married is fiercely loyal, uh, loyal above all things. She has a heart for the Lord and a woman that fears the Lord is to be praised. And I look at my wife every day and think that I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Very grateful. Uh, she loves people well, is a servant, and supports me in all things that I do and is extremely talented in what she does. Her smile is contagious. Describe the girl behind the smile. Yeah, very contagious smile. And that's the first thing that I noticed about her. And I've told her that time and again is just the smile that she has. And it, it has the ability to light up a room and to bring joy to a lot of people. And that's the thing about a smile is a cheerful heart is good medicine. And this world needs a lot of good medicine. And thankfully, Paige can be a great doctor to a lot of people. Wow. Isn't that this fun, Shay? Isn't this that podcast fun? just took a romantic turn. Isn't I'm getting teary. You never know what's going to happen <laughs> here on this Pentecost podcast. Paige is like, bring it on. Keep going. This is wow. getting recorded, right? <laughs> Maybe we need to transition into a marriage uh, podcast. <laughs> and might. I'm going to get out my notebook. Whew. That was beautiful. Thank you, Shay. Thank you for the inspiration. Well, you know, Jake actually, as you get, you can tell, he's he's gifted with words. And Joe, every time I do our introduction, it makes you chuckle. Um, but Jake Talbert actually is, you know, we have a lot of great play-by-play announcers under the can of cook roof. It's true. And Jake Talbert is. Is he the king? He's the king. Hmm. He's the king. Jake, if you would, just for fun, would you spice up our introduction? And would you t- would you just go next level for us? Yeah, I would love to. You know, typically my mo is on the football field, uh, set up in a sound booth there on a Wednesday afternoon with about eight football games going on, commentating every single one <laughs> at the same time. At the same time, <laughs> challenge, but also much excitement. Uh, and so, for the sake of this, you know, I think I would look at look at Joe, and I think I'd probably kick in some music of some kind, and yep. then just get right to it. So, you know, for Joe, knowing Joe's sports background at SMU and his history there, I would I would probably just kick in with uh, something like this, you know. And starting at nose tackle, a six foot one, 200 pound senior from College Station, Texas, wearing number 58, that is Joe White, the president of Canicut Camps and starting nose tackle for your SMU Mustangs. <laughs> is that not good? You got it. Absolutely. 50 years ago, coming back to life. So Come are on. you the are you play-by-play or color or both since you're overseeing eight games? I prefer the I would prefer the color. I do love the play-by-play aspect. Uh, a lot of that is repetition, <laughs> but the color is what really gets me excited to dive into the personal side of the athletes oh, yeah. that I'm commentating on. You you bring the players to life. You have you know, to, for the especially audience. when they're eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. I, you know, I've spent the last six summers over at K1, and every Wednesday I'm listening to Jake because they got that thing cranked up, you know. Mm. We're, we're at K1, and it's like we're we're living through. And the neighbors across the lake are calling Oh, in. yeah. Yeah, everybody's a part of it. <laughs> you never know who's going to get a shout-out on Wednesday afternoons. Air it out. That. Air it out football tournament. A lot of kids made some great memories down there. Many heroes are born. Well, uh, let's jump out of. We went from we went from a tear jerking marriage. That's right. 
uh, inspiration <laughs> into a play-by-play commentary. And now we're going to move we're, we're, back we're, we're, into we're, spiritual disciplines. <laughs> exactly how we drew it up. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Jake, I'm going to ask you. Yeah. And then we're going to come over to your bride. But, you know, I touched on this idea of quiet space, but I'd love for you to just create the value. Like, why? why is it something that we should fight for? Yeah, that's, I mean, that is the key is you have to fight for the quiet place. And the definition in and of itself is not rocket science by any means, but quiet place is finding a spot where you can eliminate and seek to eliminate external distractions from your life. And right now in probably all of our pockets, we have a two and a half by five inch device that has become the chief distractor for myself, for probably those of us at this table and for billions around the world. And it is a huge distraction. And um, having that quiet place with the Lord is not something that uh, was maybe recommended, but it was a lifestyle of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, in one of his most recent books, John Mark Comer uh, describes this uh, concept of Jesus retreating frequently uh, to what the Greek would describe as the eremos or the quiet place, the place of resting. And it's not necessarily um, being in a place that's that's quiet as opposed to being in a in a room all by yourself, but in a place where you can set aside distractions and hear from the Lord. We have to be able to find a spot where our souls can catch up to our bodies in this fast-paced world that we live in. Yeah. You know, I read the cover, just the cover of that book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Yes. And it changed my life. Yes. It was a really great title, wasn't it? It was. And a, and a really apt timing for that book. Paige, I'm curious, just, you know, share a little bit of your story. When did you discover just the beauty and the brilliance of the Lord in those quiet places in your life? Absolutely. That's actually a really fun question in light of recently realizing how noisy the world is. I actually got to study abroad my junior year of college. And so for three months, we were in Europe and quite frankly, had no internet access, no texting ability, no nothing, which got us in a few corners, was maybe dangerous at times. But in that, we would have 12-hour train rides where no matter how many books you brought or how much studying you were supposed to be doing, you just had time on your hands. And it was the first time in a long time I even felt bored. Um, And where I thought going over to another country and not having a lot of community could be a hard season in my walk with the Lord, it ended up being the absolute sweetest because I had so much quiet space. Hmm. And it was externally quiet, but also brought me to a place of being internally quiet to be able to hear from him. And so that was a big time for me where I realized how much of a distraction. What are some of those things that you came to value that you gained from the Lord? Like what was the fruit of that discovery? Yeah, a big one I would say is prayer. And that might seem obvious, but... It created what you were talking about at the beginning of when you're waiting, we're so quick to pull out our phones and look at something. But when we don't have something to do, we have time to hear from the Lord and not even just talk to the Lord, but also be able to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say that is a big one. It also made me realize how much internal noise there is and how often my mind, even if I'm 
in a quiet space can get caught up in fear and worry or lies. And so the quiet space allowed me to recognize those and take those captive where I might not otherwise. Mm -hmm. And then scripture tells us the Holy Spirit is going to bring truth to remembrance and bring to remembrance what he has taught us. And it created space for me to recognize the constant stream that is going through my head and for the Lord to speak into, okay, what is of this world? What is of me? And remind me that he is not a God of fear. He is not a God of anxiety. He is not a God that is always looking to the future or what's next. And I was able to be present and able to find joy in my current circumstance Mm -hmm. and be able to meditate on truth even. You know, living in the information age, we are consuming and aware of a world of atrocity and a world of sadness and a world of brokenness. And frankly, that's that's more than any generation. I mean, we have more access, obviously, to information than any generation before us. But if we didn't need time before that to process life, how much more so do we need time to process through life? You know, I'm I I'm an early morning guy and and really it's out of necessity because I live with six kids in a small home. I love going hard during the day and you know, when we finally get kids down, it's a few precious 30 minutes with my wife before we get showered up and head to bed. And so, but I get up early because I have a lot of stuff that's that I'm either bothered about, anxious about, concerned about, I don't have answers for, and I just need that time. I need it. And and there's so many times throughout the day where God can give you what you need. And I think we just instinctively now, now it's an instinct, we pass over those opportunities. And that's a shame. You know, Joe, I want to turn to you. Fascinating to think how much you've seen our world change in seven decades. And and you're a hard-charging guy. You always have been. But I, I'm just curious, what are, what's your concern for the consequences? You know, this the last 13 years, we don't really necessarily, we know some of the consequences are starting to come out, but it's not like we've had a lot of time to like, look at how life has changed with the cell phone and with social media access and all that. What are some of your concerns? Well, Shay, thank you. It's a great question. Uh, I, I would love for each of our listeners, whether in your teens or 20s or 30s or your parent or grandparent and or, uh, you know, running a business or ministry, wherever, I'd just love for you to look in a mirror for a second. And, and as you look into a mirror, look into the mirror of your heart, your soul. All of us around this table, look in a mirror at your heart, your soul. And if you're anxious, if you're feeling angst right now, and I'm almost positive, if you use your iPhone a lot, you're feeling anxious because the iPhone is designed to take your time. It's what it's designed for. You are the product of what the iPhone is made for because the iPhone has become wealthy. All smartphones have become wealthy companies 
fastest growing companies in the world by owning your time. And anxiety is like a magnet. We, I work with high school kids predominantly, and we have the most anxious generation ever, the most suicidal thinking generation ever. It's produced by Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and Snapchat. Because as you look at iPhone, iPhone usage equals anxiety iPhone usage has stirred this nation up to the point where it feels like civil war. That has been done deliberately. And if you don't believe it, you watch the movie Social Dilemma that Shay's talking about, and you'll understand it. Shay, the iPhone, the smartphone is literally, as I've worked with high school kids for now 50 years, it has stolen the hearts of a generation. And it's so sad to say, and I'm talking about college students and high school students who've grown up with iPhones. They start getting them when they're about 10, 12, 14, 16 years old. And, and, and most parents don't do much of a job of governing the usage of iPhones, unfortunately, when the brain is beginning to form mm-hmm. and, and, and morals are beginning to form in kids' lives. And, and the, the, the smartphone, because the way it's directed towards porn, it's directed towards anxiety, it's directed toward need and want more of, uh, it's stolen the minds of an entire generation. This, this broadcast is probably the most important thing that we've ever done. Jake and Paige, I want to turn to you. I mean, you guys are you're in your 20s, am I right? You're still in your 20s. Um, I'm curious, when did you get your your first smartphone? And what was like the launching pad like of your interaction with it? What did it do to your life? Like how how fast did you start? Did you have parents that were easing you in or was it just a like jumping in the deep end? I think I was the first one in my family to get an iPhone. I'm the second oldest child, but I didn't get it until actually my senior year. I had a cell phone. High school or college? High school. Okay. Uh, Senior year of high school. I was 18, got my first iPhone. It was an iPhone 4, uh, which means it was basically a square at that point. It was basically a square. Uh, Minimal processing power at the time. It was extremely powerful, but (laughs) looking back now, it was a piece of junk. Uh, And, you know, in... In those days, I'll say, so 10 years ago, you had one gigabyte of data that you could use on the iPhone. And one gigabyte of data was very precious. You could surf the web very minimally. Wi-Fi was not abundant as it is even 10 years later today. And quite honestly, I could not do much with the one gigabyte. But fast forward now, in the day and age of unlimited data, I would hate to see where I would be in that time at that point. Uh, many social media apps when I was 18 had still not come about yet. Uh, really, Facebook and Instagram was on the rise is my guess. I can't remember exactly, but uh, Facebook was really the only social media app that I had, but I used it quite frequently, and uh, my usage on it was very high. Yeah. How about you, Paige? I would say mine was my first smartphone was around the same year. I was probably a freshman in high school at that point. And I would say less than intentional um, constraint on or intentional limitations was more the 150 text message limit or 
my sister using all the data before I was able to, uh-huh. um, but did ease me in a little slower than I would say today's generation, but very quickly, even I mentioned boredom before, quickly there was no such thing as boredom. And I would say that was the biggest thing is it quickly became something that could fill every moment if I allowed it to, and yeah. it did at that time. Right, and so you think about our situation now, especially with a kid who's getting hands on a smartphone for the first time, if it's if it's left up to iPhone or Android, all limit all limitations and restrictions are off, right? Because they want they want us on there as much as possible, and so there was there was some built-in constraints when you got it, um, and so how much more important is it for parents to be that constraint? I'm curious, you guys, you know, you're you're speaking from your expertise is working with elementary kids and college students. How would you advise parents into wisely um, teaching their kids how to to use their phones and to to guard that space in their life? For sure. You know, this is something that we don't have kids and uh, uh, down the road in our future, Lord willing, for sure. But just looking at at people that we've talked to, you know, what what constitutes having a phone? Why do you need to have a phone? And when you're a child, a youth, a teen even, is there a need to actually have a phone? What can you not do face-to-face uh, uh, that you can do over the phone mm-hmm. um, or vice versa, I'm sorry. And so um, I just think for parents, just cautioning them, don't go the rest of the way of the world. Just because the rest of the way of the world and every other child has a smartphone and it may be hard to be that student or that kid at school that doesn't have one, but it's for your best interest. And as a parent, what is in the best interest of my child? Having great uh, monitoring aspects of looking at the phone and the usage that's on it and and the apps that are allowed on the phone and maybe even dual access to that phone with a parent involvement. Mm-hmm. That's good. Paige, would you add anything? I mean, right on the head and even back to the book that Jake had mentioned earlier, it talks a lot about how we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. It's not an intentional act that we um, are not pursuing the Lord or communing with the Lord as much as we maybe want to, but we are just so distracted that we have entered into a lifestyle where we are just more distracted than we are even bad per se. And with that, what we give our attention to is what attention leads to awareness and attention leads to devotion. And so while a child might not be able to, or even college students, we talked to so many college students, might not be able to recognize that link. I think it's so important for parents to realize that link of what the kids, what our kids are giving their attention to is what is going to become what they are most devoted to in mm-hmm. life. And so those of us who are maybe a little bit down the road, and like Jake said, we don't have kids yet, but I even feel that for our college staff of I want to protect what they are giving their attention to because that is forming what their heart is giving their devotion to. Wow. So you've got a house full of kids. Um, what what about the, the modeling factor? We all know that your legacy is not what you tell your kids, but it's who you are before your kids. Uh, 
and you and Ashley are leaving your legacy in the hearts of six children that adore you. Um, how do you model, and how, why is it important for the parents to model for their kids uh, the 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 angst and the anxiety and the horror of of iPhone addiction? Yeah. Well, obviously, it's huge, and it's something that we were actively talking about. As pages speaking, I'm just thinking of from a from a biblical foundation standpoint that I want to personally model and I want to teach my kids. It's Psalm 27, 4. It's in David writes, he says, the one thing that I ask that I shall seek. So he makes, you know, he makes a, um, this is my primary request of God. And then I'm going to take personal responsibility. I'm going to do something about it. The one thing that I ask that I shall seek is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. And so it makes me think, okay, it's super important, number one, that I I both demonstrate, I show my kids, but then I also teach them and bring them along the value of spending time with the Lord on a daily basis. That's undistracted, phone aside, it's me, it's him, it's his word. And what's really fun is, you know, Lulu's got her little can of cuck devotional that was waiting on her pillow when she came to camp. And she works on that devotional on a regular basis and sends in her checkpoints. And for a daddy, I'm just saying, oh, it's, that's that's awesome. I mean, what a great habit for a 10-year-old to establish. And then, then beyond that practical, the disciplines of it is, you know, when I walk in, I set down my phone and my wife is watching like a hawk to make sure I am. You know, I, I always, when I pull up in my truck, we've got a long lane. And if I'm on the phone talking to somebody, I'll stop before the, the truck can be seen by anyone at the house or in the yard. I'll finish up the conversation. I'll put my phone down. That when I roll in, daddy's completely present. That's the huge thing. It's presence, being present. And I want them to see that. And I think we talk about it, you know, and we're trying to talk about it, putting the phone down. Like we, you know, we're in the beginning stages of really, you know, that being an open conversation where our kids understand that mom and dad are putting down our phone for a reason. In fact, we don't, I mean, in our home, and this is, this is not gospel by any means, but we don't we don't turn on the TV during the week with the kids. We got enough to do. We got homework and we've got dinner and we got bath time and in the evening, um, we'll play games. We'll play spoons. We'll play. We play a lot of war at the Robin's house cards. Um, on occasion, we'll watch some dude perfect videos. Um, but we minimize that and we do it on purpose. And then Saturday morning, you know, we'll watch a movie in the morning, then we get out and do chores and have fun outside. So it's just those things. But I think to your point, it's like not only just being strategic, but helping them understand why we're doing what we're doing to bring them into that thought process. And I got a lot to figure out. I mean, a 10 year old's the oldest one we got right now. So we're kind of on the, I feel like we're on the front end. You're on the right track, buddy. Yeah. So the, the parents I talk to the, around the country that are doing a great job are parents who have a drawer or a safe place or a hiding place. And 
and and and they vary on when and how often, but they all have a place where iPhones go. And you know, one day I know you all are watching all the Shea Robbins who have family and how they're doing the social media world with their children, uh, Jake and Paige. But 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 I'm certain that in your house, if there are any iPhones in your house and or smartphones, and you know what. There may not be, you know. Uh, the executives of these companies Shay was talking about were interviewed at the end of the movie that everyone needs to watch, Social Dilemma, and they, they were asked, do you give your kids smartphones? And they're all like, absolutely not. <laughs> One of the most impressive executives I thought in the whole thing, and I, I don't recall which company he was in, but he's like, our home is technology-free. Yeah, <laughs> and he developed the whole Right? Thing. Yeah. I mean, what a wild idea! Yeah, yeah, but 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 great parents have a drawer. Great parents have a have a, have filters on everything. You know, a very wise man was asked, "What's the best age to give your child a smartphone?" And he said, "At whatever age you want them to start doing porn." So, if there are going to be smartphones in the house, and by the way, parents, it's never you know my favorite expression. It's, it's never too late to start. It's never too early to quit. And a great time to, to reset whatever you're doing in your home with the technology, the television, smartphones, iPads, et cetera. Uh, if any time a child gets in trouble or they, or they press the boundaries or they break the boundaries, that's the time to listen to this podcast and reset and then start over again and as one mom said, when, when our kids walk in the house, the, the, or when our kids head for bed, the smartphones go in a drawer. Another mom said, we have no technology during the week, just like the Robbins family. And on weekends, we limit the use of technology. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are parents out there, folks, just to encourage you, who are doing that. And, um, and as you watch this film, you'll realize that the, the control of your children's minds, instead of being the YouTube world or the Facebook world or the Snapchat world, uh, can become the world of balance, the world of intelligent conversations, the world of, as Shay says, having quiet times, most importantly with the Lord. You know, and I, I think I want to make it clear right now, uh, everyone sitting here at this table in this podcast has an iPhone and they're a blessing to us. They're a huge part of our ministry. They make it super efficient. You can reach people. I mean, there's amazing qualities of it. Uh, but like any gift, a gift can become unhealthy. And and I think the point we're trying to get past is that there is there needs to be a disciplined approach to it. And so I want to get really practical. And this is how we'll kind of close up. But I love to just do a round table. What are some things that we can encourage people to do to practically lay claim to that quiet space in their life and to have healthy boundaries with their smartphone? Yeah, I think that, you know, one thing that, that Paige and I have talked about is even just being a parent of your phone and and not letting your phone control you, but but you taking proactive steps to control the usage of your phone. And I think that for me personally, the most special times that I have with the Lord are in the morning first and foremost and at night before I go to bed. And I would say that that's the same for Paige as well and probably for many people, but the iPhone can distract from those 
moments. And so we just have a concept of parenting our phones and putting them to bed, just like Joe had mentioned, and plugging our phones in across the room, setting the alarm on them before we jump into bed. And before we actually jump into bed, we spend time, just each of us in separate prayer, just talking to the Lord. And Psalm 63 talks about one of the coolest things is meditating uh, uh, on the Lord at night and remembering him in the watches of the night. The mm-hmm. last thing on your mind before you go to bed is not the last filtered picture that you saw that was retaken 16 times and then posted, but it's it's the truth of God's word and talking to the creator of the universe. And that's the most important thing that you can do so that as you even rest, God can continue to transform your mind. And the first thing we do in the morning is as the alarm goes off, I've almost gamified it by this point. My alarm is still on my phone. We did buy an alarm clock, but the alarm clock. We sure clock, did. <laughs> you did. Uh, the one $4 alarm clock at Walmart that was broken, wow. unfortunately. So, so it doesn't work. Well, oh, no. Alarm clock doesn't work. So we've, we've yet to buy another one, but we're still using the iPhone, but it's plugged in. So I have to get out of the bed, run over, turn the alarm off, uh, and do it without looking at the lock screen. And personally have removed so many notifications that even appear on my lock screen. And uh, Paige can maybe share a little bit more about that as well. But but before I actually jump in to my time uh, getting back into the world, I want to be with the Lord. Yeah. And if I'm going to look at my iPhone first, I'm going to be bombarded with a text, an email, maybe a notification, different things on my lock screen. And as much as I want to be able to go and still have that time with the Lord, it's no longer a quiet place but it's a distracted place because my mind is gravitating now towards, okay, I need to respond to this email. I accidentally opened this text. I'm going to have to respond to this. Oh, here's a notification. I'm going to need to respond to this to please people, whatever it is. And so having the time with the Lord, I don't even look at my phone now until I'm have a quiet time with the Lord. I've talked in prayer, been in the word, have had breakfast and are out the door for work. So that's a wow. something for me that's been huge that is really just put a, a vitamin into my my time with the Lord in the morning and at night. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Mm-hmm. That's so good, Jake. Paige, what do you have to tell our listeners? Absolutely. Those are huge of putting our phones to bed and then getting time with the Lord before checking phones. Another one that Jake mentioned was turning off notifications. And so you could call it making your smartphone a dumb phone. We we got very um, wild one Zealous, day. Zealous, if you will. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and shut off all notifications to where, I mean, truly it was a dumb phone. It did nothing at that point. Wow. Um, do you have to go into every app, specific app to do that? Or is there like a swipe? It's through settings. You turn all of them off. It you is, go settings, settings, notifications, and you can just swipe every single one off. And I would even say we have learned that there are certain notifications that are good to have on in order to know if he texted me about something timely or important yeah. or for work. But we just started with a clean slate and shut them all off and then turned on the ones that we decided were timely um, or like I said, for work were necessary, but to not have that red dot, to not have your lock screen full of things that you feel like you need to address and need to do was huge. And so we have maintained that and it has been a game changer on the pull of feeling like I need to check my phone, I need to check my phone because there's not anything on my lock screen anymore. I'm going to do that. And Shay, you were talking about the red dot. You can even remove the red dot by just uh-huh. turning off badges. So badges are actually what the red dot is. Oh, man. And you can turn the red dot off completely uh, just by going to badges. Joe, this is why we brought in young people. <laughs> yeah, you go to, to badges. Speak to you know this. Yeah. 
Coach, you get the last word. Any practicals you have for people? Shay, I I think everyone would agree that that the two uh, scars on American history are slavery and the treatment of the Native American. Um, And, you know, we all inherently abhor slavery. Uh, Men enslaving other men, women enslaving other women. It's a horrible thing. And it's, and it's and it's gone gone throughout world history as we know but imagine creating instant slavery for your children in your home imagine putting your children into an environment of instant slavery mm-hmm. imagine putting yourself into a lifetime of instant slavery and and folks i am not a radical i just work with kids I, I, I counsel kids, I counsel adults, and that is exactly what smartphones are doing, whether your child is 9, 16, or whether you're 35 or you're in college, is, 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 it, is, is, is you know, I call, I call smartphones the new nicotine. You know, we smoke them like marijuana, we smoke them like tobacco, and let me tell you, uh, notifications are an invitation to slavery, the Weather Channel, an invitation to, to horrible weather, the ESPN, an invitation to the next NBA uh, trade or the next gossip on, you know, some player, uh, diving into Facebook, an invitation to porn or an invitation to anxiety, Instagram, uh, diving into Instagram, it's an invitation to porn, which is an, inst- which is an invitation to slavery. Uh, folks, it's time to break the chains. Mm. And, and, and let, me, let me just, if, if your Bible app, and if you had not got a Bible app on page one, <laughs> followers of Christ, <laughs> you better get one. If you've got an iPhone, a smartphone, uh, and, and, and you look at the top five, if God's looking at the top five apps, he better be seeing the Bible app as, as, as the top app of the apps you use throughout the day. I had, a, I had a small discipleship group of high school guys. We matured for six years together, and, and we had a challenge that whenever there was something that came up on our smartphone that we need, we'd go to the, the Bible app first, and we made the Bible app the favorite app, and, and, and the, whole, the whole point of this program is, is to, is to is to put the thing down and to spend time with the Lord. Mm. And if the Bible app's number one, or just if if the smartphone in a drawer and thinking about the Lord is number one, then the peace of God is going to return to your life, and the peace of God is going to return um, to your home. Thank you for that encouragement, Joe. And Jake and Paige, you were the right choice to come in here. Thank you so much for your wisdom. It was really fun to be with you, and we're super proud of you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you betcha. And thank you to our our listeners for spending time with us today. We hope that today's conversation serves to fuel your I'm Third approach to spiritual growth. I'd love to pray with you. Father, we come to you today, and we just pray for wisdom, that your Spirit would give us discernment, perhaps conviction if needed. If and when needed, we invite that, God, because we want to walk more intimately with you today. I want to pray that you would give individuals and families uh, a vision 
for how to handle technology and smartphones in their homes and in their lives. And I pray, God, that it would be a tool for good. And I pray that uh, eyes and hearts are perhaps opened um, to some of that time that we've just been mindlessly gobbling up and, and ultimately losing time with you. And so we just pray that this would bring refreshment to their faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope today's conversation left you encouraged, strengthened, and empowered. If you haven't had a chance, please subscribe to our podcast today to stay up to date with the latest episodes. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider rating us, writing a review, or sharing it with others so we can continue to build you up with an I'm Third approach to marriage, family, leadership, and spiritual growth. For more information about the podcast, visit canacuckpodcast.com. And for more information about Canacuck, you can visit canacuck.com.